0: Well, I'd invite you to take a seat. Thanks so much, Ben. They'll be, uh, Kim and the band will be back a little bit later. Uh, while you're getting comfortable, I'd love to introduce myself. My name is Chris. Thanks, Riley. I'm one of the communicators here uh, at Beyond. And whether you're joining uh, and listening uh, to us in person or maybe uh, someone is listening to this on a podcast online, we're so glad you're here. You're actually joining us in part three. Uh, Clarissa and Laura let you know we're in part three of a four-part series called Talking to Myself. And in case you have no idea how a series would run in a church, because maybe this is your first time here, uh, think like a TV series. Every week we'll build on what we covered last week. And so because some of you are like, hey, this is my first time, I haven't been here for this series, I want to let you know what the big idea is that we've been exploring through this series and really quickly bring you up to speed on what we covered in parts one and two. I won't bring it all the way up. If that kind of piques your interest, you can listen to that uh, on our iTunes or SoundCloud. But the big idea with this series is simply this that the voices you believe will determine the future that you experience. Psychologists and researchers, and we've been saying this for the last couple of weeks, tell us that the uh, average person has between twelve and 60,000 thoughts go through their mind every single day, which means that, that the way we talk to ourselves is so important because you are the number one voice in your life. You talk to yourself more than anyone else talks to you, and so the voices you allow to speak into your life often become the voices that you talk to yourself with. And so this is so important because those voices you believe actually shape some of the truths that you believe about yourself and so they'll determine the future that you experience if you believe or choose to change those truths. And so in part one, it was uh, what we said is we wanted you to begin to capture your thoughts. We actually gave you a couple of questions. We wanted you to begin to think about, you know, what are the things I'm saying to myself? What am I thinking about? How am I talking to myself? And, And who do I let talk into my life? Then in part two, uh, what we said is we want you to discover what the one who created you says about you. So often uh, our opinions about ourselves are formed from the way that we talk to ourselves. And so rather than just capture your thoughts and look at what we're saying to ourselves, we said go to the source. Go to the source and figure out, you know, is it my mom, is it my dad? Who is it that, that, uh, that has this opinion of me that I talk to myself? And we said, now what we wanted you to do, and we challenge you for seven days, discover what God says about you for seven days. Shift the focus. Don't listen to yourself for seven days. Listen to what God says about you for seven days. And, and here we are tonight, and I should be really honest and kind of give this message a little bit of a disclaimer. This will be the most uncomfortable and most challenging message of this entire series. Not because I'm going to say anything controversial. Not because I'm going to do anything weird. This is simply the point in the series where we shift from theory to application. The, at, at this point, we've just said, hey, just think about your thinking. Hey, just, just look at what God says about you. We haven't really asked you to do a whole lot or change your thinking or maybe replace some of those negative thoughts. And so tonight is, is going to be one of those ones where you kind of like push back a little bit because I'm, I'm going to ask you to do some things. And the reason it's going to be difficult is is for this, there's always a reason not to change, right? You know at the start of the year when you make those resolutions and you think of every reason to change? I'm going to go to the gym this year. I'm going to get on my vegan, low-carb, gluten-free diet. I'm going to get that six-pack I've always wanted. And then the year comes, and February comes, or January 2nd for some of you comes, and you realize that gluten-free wasn't all it was cracked up to be. And, And then you're like, I work long hours at work. It's, it's really easier to get fast food on the way home. It's, it's, it's actually difficult. It's more difficult than I thought it was gonna be to be able to eat healthy and go to the gym every single day. For some of you, you had a New Year's resolution, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna smash through like 50 books this year. I'm gonna read a whole lot more I'd like to read. And then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, well, I'm just kinda tired when I get home. And I really, I kinda discovered I don't like reading as much. There's always a reason not to change. Some of you, when it comes to your faith, you're like, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to read my Bible more. But then you're kind of like, well, I don't like getting up early. And then when I come home late at night, I'm tired. So there's always a reason not to change. And so tonight, that's kind of where the tension is going to come, because for all of us, right, there seems to be, no matter what we start out with in life, no matter what goals, no matter what dreams we have, we always just seem to naturally be able to find a reason not to change. And so the tension I want to address is, you know, how do we make progress when our default is to naturally stay the same? Like we, we like coming up with reasons. It's so easy to come up with a reason to stay the same, isn't it? And it's often so difficult to think, why, why should I change? And so how do, we, how do we make progress when our default is to stay the same? And we're going to build on what we kind of did the last couple of weeks. And um, the first thing is, is we need to identify our reasons. So in part one and two, we say, you know, what do you say to yourself and what's the source of what you say to yourself? Really, we were kind of saying, you know, what do you say, say to yourself and what's the reason that you say that to yourself? You know, where did you get that reason from? Was it from your mom, from your dad, from your ex-boyfriend or girlfriend? Was it from your coach? Was it from your mentor? What's the reason that you believe that? And tonight, we're going to explore this two kind of options you can take once you have that reason. You can, you can take this first pass, which is you can make an excuse. You can say to yourself, well, well, here's the reason that I talk to myself the way that I do. But you see, it's not my fault. It's not my fault, you know. Because when I was growing up, you know, I didn't have mom or I didn't have dad or I didn't have someone to speak into my life. So, so someone spoke into my life for me and I listened to them. And, and now I can't possibly change. Or maybe for some of you, you know, there's a reason you go, yeah, 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 But. But. The reason is because of what he said first. It's what she did at first. And so we always come up with this excuse or an excuse. And and if you create enough excuses, you know what happens? Nothing changes. And you you know people like this in your life. Because these are the same people that are struggling with the same issue three months down the track, six months down the track, five years down the track. They make the same mistakes relationally. And they all... Why why do I date that type of guy? Why do I date that type of girl? Why why do I keep making these decisions financially? Why do I keep making these mistakes spiritually or career-wise? Why can I never make decisions? Why is my FOMO not getting any better? And it's because we always make excuses for the reasons and then nothing changes. But there's a way forward. There's There's an alternative approach. And the second approach is to acknowledge the reason. To begin to say, you know what? Yeah, actually, the reason that I talk to myself this way is because I didn't have the best voices speaking into my life. The reason that I talk to myself this way is because I have really high expectations on myself. In fact, some would say unrealistic expectations on myself. And you begin to acknowledge the reason. And what happens when you begin to acknowledge the reason is you begin to make progress. Because when you acknowledge the reason that you talk to yourself the way that you do, all of a sudden it, from, it changes from excuse, which is I couldn't possibly do anything, to I actually have an option to control and I can choose to listen to the voices that speak into my life and I want to determine and reshape the future that I'm going to experience. And when you do that, you can make progress. And so what we're going to... Do tonight, I just want to kind of make it super clear, uh, in case any of you are confused or in case some of you have to leave early, about the big idea for tonight's uh, uh, conversation. It's simply this, you can make progress or you can make excuses, but you can't make both. Back to my little dike, I know it's a little small, I apologise for that, that's because I did the graphic um, and I don't really know what I'm doing. So you can see, there's two splits, you can end up making progress or you can end up making an excuse which leads to nothing changing, but you cannot make both when it comes to listening to the voices that you listen to and the way you talk to yourself. And so tonight, I want to look at an event that happened in history about 2,000 years ago that involves a guy called Peter. And you're going to learn a little bit about Peter in a minute. But essentially, at the time that this event occurred, Peter had to make a decision. Peter could either make an excuse or he could make progress. But as you'll see when we look at this, uh, this uh, story, Peter could not make both. He had to make a choice. For those of you who don't know Peter, Peter uh, was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. Uh, If that sounds really fancy for you, it's essentially the 12 dudes that hung around with Jesus. They were kind of like Jesus' inner circle during the uh, three years uh, when Jesus was about 30 to 33, where he was uh, walking around teaching uh, and doing miracles and sharing uh, the love of God with people. And so Peter was one of them. In fact, Peter was probably the most senior member of this group of 12. Of those 12 guys, everyone kind of looked up to Peter. Everyone knew, hey, this Peter guy, he's kind of like the unofficial second-in-command to Jesus. And and the day that we're going to look at this particular event, this was a massive day in the life of Peter, in the life of the disciples, and in the life of Jesus. Because 5,000 people, without a Facebook event, without email, had rocked up on the side of what's called the Sea of Galilee. Um, And they had come to listen to Jesus' talk. And so Jesus had taught this crowd of more than 5,000, because they just record the men. That's the way ancient documents work. They recorded it. it. was 5,000 men plus women and children. And so Peter was running the logistics of these. He would have had the headset on, and, like the walkie-talkie, and he's, he's like ushering people down the aisles. He's getting everyone seated. And then Jesus like goes and does a miracle, which kind of sent everyone into a frenzy. And so Peter's trying to control that as well. It's been an exhausting day for Peter. And we're going to pick up the story as the day's kind of winding down as, the, as uh, everyone's kind of like got their fix of Jesus' teaching, they've got their miracle fix, and, and they're about to transition home for the night. And we're going to pick it up um, in Matthew chapter 14 at verse 22, if you want to follow along. It says, as soon as the meal was finished, because they had to feed 5,000 people, that's part of the miracle, you can check that out. He, that's Jesus, insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go ahead to the other side while he dismissed the people. What's the other side? So, This is the Sea of Galilee. So we think that Jesus probably would have been teaching somewhere around this region here. And then the disciples were going to get in a boat and then we're going to go to this area, this region, essentially a suburb called Gennesaret. And so they had to travel from here to here. And so Jesus kind of sends them in this boat. He goes, hey, you guys go ahead. We've got another big day tomorrow. There's going to be crowds out. Peter, don't forget to set up all my tents and get my merch out, you know, the way that I like it. And he sends them off. And what we discover next is this. With the, when, with the crowd dispersed, he, Jesus again, climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. Jesus just had this habit of doing it. Uh, there would be thousands of people around, and Jesus would just disappear. And the disciples said, where did he go? And they're like, I think he, I think he went to pray again by himself. And so Jesus would often just pull back away and kind of retreat and pray. It says he stayed there alone late into the night. So Peter and, and the disciples are, are, um, are getting out in the boat, probably around dusk. Jesus sends everyone home, and then at dusk, Jesus heads up into the mountain to find a spot to pray. And this is really, really late. You'll find out just how late in a minute. And then what happens next? Meanwhile, cut scene. We're moving from Jesus, praying in the mountain, and we're panning down now. This is the change of location. The boat was far out to sea when the the, wine, um, the wind, that is. <clears throat> yeah, I can. you can also tell I did my own proof, uh, proofreading on this one too. The wind came up against them, and they were battered by the waves. They weren't battered because they'd been drinking, they were battered because of this geography. Now, let me give you a really quick geography lesson. So, right around these regions here, and you can't really see it because this is an aerial picture, but there are large mountains, and they get over 2,000 meters high, right on the Sea of Galilee. The, The problem becomes, geographically, is that the Sea of Galilee itself, on the ocean uh, is 600 meters below sea level. So what you have on the uh, right on the shore is 600 meters below sea level at a subtropical con- uh, climate. So the air is hot, the air is humid, and then at this at 2,000 meters above sea level around these mountain ranges, what you have is um, is uh, cooler air troughs that begin to form. And the Sea of Galilee is really well known that what often happens is you get these high-pressure systems, meaning these low-pressure systems, and then you get these violent storms that begin to whip up on the Sea of Galilee. And the reason that they whip up is because the Sea of Galilee is not very deep. And so there's nowhere for the water to absorb uh, what happens when these high and low-pressure troughs collide. So you often get these storms and these swells. So when the disciples are getting battered by the waves, they are getting battered. These are seasoned fishermen. These are men who have been on the ocean before. Matthew was one of them. And, and so they know what a little rocking wave, and a little seasickness is. This was not that. These guys were fighting for their lives for to be able to keep their boat afloat somewhere in here while Jesus is up in the mountains praying. It says about four o'clock in the morning. So Jesus was really up there for a long time. And Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Now, Let's, if, if you're not really a follower of Jesus and you're not sure about the whole walking on water thing, that's okay, just keep tracking with this, we can, we can address that later. And the disciples had probably the same reaction that I would have had. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. It is not normal to be in a storm and see someone walk towards you at four o'clock in the morning after you've been, keeping, after you've been battling hard to keep a ship upright for the last six hours. And then this is what Jesus said. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. And this is how he comforts them. I don't know if, if I would comfort someone this way. He says, courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Just imagine that you were one of these <clears throat> fishermen for a minute. This high, this, this storm has whipped up. You are struggling with all your, um, with all your expertise to not have this boat sink. You are exhausted because you have been trying to keep this thing afloat for hours on end. You've had a massive day, you're already exhausted, and then Jesus, in the midst of the storm, while the storm is just flying around, goes, guys, don't be afraid. I would turn to Jesus and be like, Jesus, you should be afraid right about now, because I'm not just about to jump out of this boat. Like, seriously, like, like don't be afraid. Jesus, where were you? Where were you? You've been up in the mountains praying. We've been, we're the ones who have been in here battling it in the middle of the storm. Do you have any idea who you're saying this to? Don't be afraid. But then here's where Peter kind of comes back into the story. Because Peter has this habit of just like just like putting his foot in his mouth a lot. And he, and he just says things without thinking too much. And this is one of those moments where Peter just jumps in. And he goes, Peter suddenly bold said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come out on the water. In the middle of this storm, Peter goes, Well, I guess if it's Jesus, I'm, I'm going to come. And this is Jesus' response. Check this out. Come ahead. Could you imagine that? There's a storm raging around and Peter's in the boat and he's all bold and he goes, yeah, tell me to come to you. And Jesus goes, all right, come on. And maybe for some of you tonight, your boat or or the storm that's raging in your life, the way that that, that you talk to yourself, that voice that you found rolling around in your head over and over and over again is not a storm on the Sea of Galilee. But maybe for some of you, it's the voices of doubt. It's the voices of fear. It's the voices of insecurity. Maybe it's the voice of, you know, where is my value? where Where is my worth? Am I smart enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I good-looking enough? And you just keep rolling this around your head over and over and over again. And your storm is not a physical storm, but... There's a storm going on in the way that you talk to yourself. And Jesus is standing in the middle and he goes, okay, well, come ahead. Step out. Are you going to trust me? Because it is so easy, just like Peter, to kind of be like, I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to trust Jesus. And then you get to the edge of the boat and you start to realize, I'm going to have to take a step here. And that can be really, really scary. And this is what happens. Jumping, Peter didn't even think. Peter was like so high. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. And if this was a fairy tale, this is where where it would have finished. Because Peter would have walked on water, he would have walked out to Jesus, they would have high-fived. Then Peter would have started an Instagram course about how you you too can can learn how to walk on water for 12 easy payments of $30. Then he would have started up a brand off the side of that, you know, and he would have helped other people to train other people to walk on water, just like that guy Peter. Peter. And this is actually one of the reasons that I believe writers like Matthew when they write the New Testament. Because if you were writing a perfect story, this is where it would finish. It would all live happily ever after. But Matthew doesn't finish it here. And I'm kind of glad that he doesn't, because this is more like our life, that when he looked down at the waves, churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. And maybe some of you, you've actually actually taken that leap. And you've begun to address some of the voices that are talking the way that you, you talk to yourself. And so you're not in the boat anymore. You're out walking on the water and the first, first couple of days or weeks. You're like, man, I'm doing so great. This is, this is awesome. And then all of a sudden, there were more voices that you realized you had to deal with. And all of a sudden, you start to look around. And you started to kind of lose focus about Jesus. And you're starting to say, can I really trust you? And you start to look at the, the voices and the ways you talk to yourself. And you feel like you're sinking right now. And for Peter, this was a matter of life or death because he is beginning to sink and this storm is raging and he is so exhausted, he does not have the energy to be able to swim back to shore. And when Peter is at his most vulnerable, this is what happens. He cried, Master, save me. And for some of you tonight, you've jumped out of that boat and you're sinking. And you're thinking to yourself, how am I ever going to begin to control the voices that are talking to me and running around in my head? And you're just screaming out, Jesus, save me. And this is what Jesus does. Jesus didn't hesitate. didn't have to think twice. This was his natural instinct. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Because Jesus is not a God that sits back and watches our life go by. Jesus is a God who wants to be personally involved. And Jesus moves towards the messes in our life, not away from them. And then as Jesus, this is, what Jesus says next is just so incredible because in the midst of this storm, as he reaches down, as Peter is saturated and drowning, Jesus grabs his hand and as he grabs his hand, he looks him in the eyes and he asks him this question. And he says this, he goes, hard. what got India? you? And he doesn't ask this as like a Peter, naughty, you should have had more faith. He doesn't ask it that way. He asks it in a way that he wants Peter to think. He wants Peter to say, hey, Peter, what changed? What changed from the minute you jumped out of the boat and you were walking on water to the minute you started to sink? Because something changed in that moment. What is it that got in to you? Peter, you had a you had a decision to make. You could have made an excuse, you could have stayed in the boat, but you, took, you decided to jump out. What changed? And for us, this is the most important, or the question that, that I want us to ask. Because this is the question that we've all got to address. Is when it comes to talking to ourselves, when it comes to the idea that we can either make progress and move forward or make excuses and nothing changed. some of us have to really answer this question, what is it that's got into us? What is it that prevents us from moving forward? What is it that for some of us we can be so excited about our dreams and so excited about where we want to move and then two weeks later or three weeks later all of a sudden we feel like we're sinking? What is it that's gotten into us? And the way that I want to help you answer this question is in the form of what we call here a Beyond a Four Monday, which is really just the application of everything that we've talked about tonight. Because we believe that church shouldn't just be for Sunday, that it should impact your life and the lives of those around you for the rest of the week. And so what I want you to do this week to help you answer this question of what got into you is simply this. I want you to face your fears. I want you to begin to face some of those voices that are talking to you, some of the voices of doubts and insecurities. I want you to begin to face your fears and just to be really specific about what that looks like because that's super generic. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to identify what you're afraid of. I want you to be really specific about that. I want you to identify, you know, what is it that I'm, are you afraid that you won't meet the own standards that you have in your life? Is that what you're afraid of? Are you afraid of what your mom or your dad will think? Are you afraid that if you share what your real passions are in life, that your friends will judge you? Are you afraid that you'll come face to face with these with the voices and and maybe you won't like what you hear or you won't like what you see or what you have to do, and so you just kind of avoid it. You know, what is it you're afraid of? Be really, really specific. And then I want you to do this: I want you to count the cost of not facing your fear. I want you to take some time, once you've identified what you're afraid of, I want you to look it in the eye and I want you to, to count the cost of not facing your fears. Because here's what happens over and over again. When people begin to actually identify what they're afraid of, when they specifically identify what they're afraid of, and they look it in the eye, what they begin to realize is it's actually not as scary as they thought. And it was just this idea of fear that was kind of allowing them not to make progress. But once they, once they narrow it down, once they actually articulate, you know what? I'm, it's just because I'm not sure what my teacher will think of me. It's just because I'm not sure if I will meet my own level of expectations. All of a sudden, that fear isn't as scary anymore. And so this week, I want you to count the cost of not facing a fear. And I want you to go a step further. I want you to to, um, to answer this question of who misses out when you let fear get in the way of addressing the way you talk to yourself? Do you miss out? Do your dreams miss out? Is, is there a person in your life that misses out as a result of you not addressing the voices and the ways in which you're talking to yourself? Because the thing is, those words that Jesus used to the disciples when he walked out on the boat, don't be afraid. Those come up 365 times, those words, all throughout the collection of documents that are compiled together in what Christians call the Bible. 365 times, more than God talks about money, more than God talks about power, more than God talks even about sex, are those words whispered, do not be afraid. In fact, Peter, when Jesus died and then rose from the grave, when after that was all happened, Peter actually became the point man for the Jesus movement. And Peter, along with 11 of the 12 other disciples, actually went to their deaths because they would not change their belief that Jesus rose from the grave. And the reason wasn't because they weren't afraid. It's just because they, they, knew, uh, they, they, they thought about fear in a different way. Because you don't have to fear what you face when you know who you're trusting in. For them they had seen Jesus die, and then they had seen him overcome the greatest fear that so many people have, which is death. And they had realized that, you know what, the grave is not the end. Death is not the end. And it wasn't because they were afraid, they were were able to face death, even though they were afraid, because they knew who they were trusting in. They knew, that they had seen and traveled with Jesus, and they knew this guy is who he says he is. This is God stepped into history, and we don't have to be afraid, even when there's something to be afraid of. And so, if you're kind of curious about God, I'd, I'd encourage you this week just identify your fears. Begin to step out and address those fears. And begin to see how God shows up when you step out of the boat. Because the truth is, God can't show up until you step out of the boat. It's safe in the boat, it takes faith to begin to step out of the boat. And if you're a Christian, here's the last thing I I just wanna leave you with. This is so, so critical for you. And the reason it's so, so critical for you to address your fears and to face up to the way you're talking to yourself is because of this. That what you fear reveals where you trust God the least. And I know some of you are like, hang on a minute, whoa, Chris, no, 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 you don't understand. My situation's different. My situation's unique. Hey, I'm not saying this to kind of come down on you. I'm not saying this to have a go at you. Because where there's fear, there's an opportunity. Because what you fear the most reveals what part of your life you actually trust God the least in. And when there is fear, there is an opportunity to trust God more. When there is fear present, you actually have an opportunity to say, You know what, God? I'm actually afraid of this, but I want to identify it and I want you to help me address this. I want to learn to trust you more with this area of my life. And the reason why I'd encourage you if you're a follower of Jesus to begin to address these fears is simply this because you don't uh, don't let the way you talk to yourself keep you from the future God's calling you to. You have no idea the future that God is calling you to. And you have no idea what is at stake for you to begin to address the fear and address the ways that you talk to yourself. So this week, Face your fears. Identify what they are. Be specific. And then count the cost of not stepping out because you have no idea what's at stake following where God's leading you to. I'd love to pray. Jesus, so many of us are either in the boat or, or on the edge of jumping out of the boat, or maybe some of us have jumped out of the boat. And it's scary. And there will be times at different points in our life where uh, where we'll be wrestling through particular issues and and sometimes we'll be in the boat, sometimes we'll be on the edge, sometimes we'll be in mid-air jumping and sometimes we'll be sinking. And Lord, I just pray tonight that the people gathered in this room, that whatever part of that journey that they're on, wherever they're talking to themselves at the moment, that they would reach out to you, that they wouldn't let their fear prevent them from the future that you're calling them to. That they wouldn't talk to themselves in such a way that it prevents them from experiencing the future that you have for them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give them the courage and the strength this week to face their fears, just as Peter did, to identify and be specific and to jump out of that boat trusting that they may begin to experience new level of relationship with you, when they cast the fear aside and welcome and trust. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.